welcome again this morning, Sunday morning service, online, uh, live, uh, from the point of view that you know there's no pre-recording. Uh, we just want to try and do church as normal as possible during this um, lockdown period. And we will continue to do that by the grace of God. We'll continue to, to um, share the word, do some worship, be, uh, give you the opportunity to um, you know, listen to God's word and be encouraged in the word as well. Uh, if you're new again for the first time today, if you're new or you haven't been coming too long for, to ANCF, uh, welcome again to you. Um, really glad that you could join us and perhaps you joined us because someone welcomed you or someone invited you to a Zoom session um, or invited you to church. Uh, perhaps you, you're new because you saw the church down at Buckley Street and um, you inquired, which is fantastic, and we've had a, different people do that over the last 12 months or so. Um, and so whatever it is, and whether it's the first time today or whether it's the, just a few, few times, um, I want to welcome you to, to our fellowship. All Nations Christian Fellowship isn't isn't really a complicated church. It's a very simple church. It has been for you know it's been now we've been been together now for probably just over thirty years as a fellowship, uh, starting uh, in a home as a home fellowship, uh, just starting in a home, and then gradually moving to different places over the years. Um, and as needs changed, we moved, and and now by God's grace, we're at the Church of Christ in Essendon. Uh, we, we, we do things simply, you know, all of us, those who preach, those who organise all the Zoom sessions, those who um, uh, run, you know, the tea and coffee afterwards, whatever whatever the situation is, uh, run Bible studies, it's all voluntary. Yeah, it's all voluntary. None of us are, are paid. We do it because we just we want to do it for the Lord. And, um, and that's, I think for me, that's been a real blessing to be part of people who serve so faithfully over the years and there's still a group of us by God's grace there's still a handful of us who uh, meet together who were pretty much from the start of that home fellowship and uh, still it's been a blessing to have been part of their life their lives over these last 30 years or so um, and walking with the Lord together but but in all these years and all these years we've been together uh, we we haven't wanted to be concerned about the wrong things we've never worried about um, church buildings and how buildings look or we've never worried about, you know, who's going to have the stage this weekend and who's who's got the limelight. It's not, it's not, that's never been us as a fellowship. We've just wanted to always to present Jesus. We've always wanted to present Jesus. We've always wanted to present his truth. And if people are drawn closer to him, closer to Jesus, closer to his truth, then our hearts are encouraged. We don't want you to draw closer to ANCF, though we are happy to draw close to you. We, we love if you fellowship with us, and that's beautiful. But we want you to draw closer to Jesus. We want you to make him your all in all. We want him to be your answer, to be your rescuer, to be your saviour. People will let you down. People will let you down. But the Lord Jesus Christ will never let you down. And I can testify that the Lord Jesus Christ, in all the hardships of life, he has been steadfast, and he's been faithful. And uh, we want you to be encouraged in the Lord Jesus. We want you to know him and to know him personally and to know him beautifully. This is where All Nations Christian Fellowship stands. We want to present Christ, uh, that you may know him and that you may know him well. And, and by God's grace, today can add a little bit more to that. Today can allow you to not grow in knowledge but use the knowledge to grow in relationship with the Lord Jesus and to remain steadfast because he loves you. 
He loves you dearly and, and, and he wants you. He's a, he's a jealous God, the Bible says. He's a jealous God. And when he sees that your heart and your mind are drifted by things that will never help you, I believe it breaks his heart. If God can have a broken heart, it breaks his heart to see that because he knows what's best for us. As the creator and as the Lord and the saviour, he knows what's best for us. And when he said it was finished on the cross, he meant it was finished. He did everything that he needed to do, that you could know him and that you could love him and that you could serve him. So please, can I encourage you that if perhaps you think it's too hard, let Jesus make it possible. You know, perhaps if this morning uh, you still find yourself making excuses, please allow yourself the opportunity, the blessing to know him. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses for knowing Jesus more and more. Don't make excuses for that little thing, that little habit, that little sin that you think, you know, but it's not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to harm anyone. Nobody's going to know. In the body of Christ, there's no such thing as this. If my little finger hurts me, then the whole body is aware of it. It, there's no such thing as you live independently of each other. It's the body of Christ. So come, come to Jesus this morning and allow him to have all your life, your mind, your body, your strength. And I pray this morning that we, I encourage, but you're encouraged through the word as I continue to speak about this area of the mind. You know, I was hoping today I'd go from the mind in Philippians that we spoke about last week and move into what I wanted to talk about, and that was the Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, and, and maybe today I might get to Psalm 23, but, again, if we don't, that's okay. We'll just we'll just continue that uh, next next week as well. And, 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 and may I say thank you, thank you to, to those who text me this week um, and, and were encouraged by Philippians 4.6, uh, who memorised it, uh, who shared with me that they memorised it. Uh, it's encouraging to hear that. It's encouraging more so that you have planted God's word in your heart because the Bible says by doing this, we don't sin against him. So continue, continue to be encouraged by the word, continue to memorize the scriptures. If you know, that's a, it's a beautiful thing to do. If you've never memorized the scripture in your life, you know, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things that you can do for your mind, uh, particularly in these times um, as well. And, uh, and so thank you, and God bless you, and may you continue to be encouraged by that. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that the Lord um, continues to bless his word as we open up and we continue to look at Philippians, uh, particularly verse 7 and 8 this morning, uh, and to be encouraged through the things that the word of God tells us this morning. We're a simple, like I said, simple church. It's probably a simple message this morning, but I pray that you are blessed. You are blessed by it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for every single person that has joined us today. Thank you, Father in heaven, for your blessing upon us because you're a God who sees way beyond the outward. You see, you go far deep into our minds and our hearts and even the thoughts and the intents of our heart or the motives of our heart. Lord, we are all uh, exposed or naked before your sight. We are There is nothing hid in the sight of the Lord, and we thank you for this, that we we can't hide things, Lord, and you don't want us to hide things, Lord. And so we pray that we come this morning, take us all, Lord, and, and be all, all, our all in all. And may you bless your word, Lord, as we listen intently uh, with, with great attention, Lord, to, and with the intent to do your will in everything that we do and say. Father, may your blessing go forth in all that are listening today. Uh, young and old, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just an encouragement to our young people, again, particularly our children who continue to do homeschooling and, and who continue to sort of press on in these circumstances where life is very different for them. Hang in there. 
you know, um, be kind to each other, be nice, be nice to your siblings, you know, uh, don't allow these circumstances to make you more frustrated or extra frustrated. Do, do something nice, do something extra, do something different, surprise your sibling, surprise them with something that you don't normally do in this time. Make them think to themselves, oh, what happened to him? What happened to her? You know, that's okay to do that because bless them, bless them and, and show that you love them, show that Jesus Christ is in the home and that you want to do things that blesses your siblings and blesses your family, blesses your parents. Um, be encouraged, young people, in this time. I hope that you're encouraged in the word today as well. So um, so we, we left last week at Philippians 4. We looked at verse 6, and uh, I want to continue with this idea of, of the, the mind and how the mind works and, and what the Bible is telling us about. Verse 6 and 7 particularly, I think, are around guarding the mind. And then verse um, verse 8, I think, is around strengthening the mind. And, and, I, and I hope I can communicate that to some extent. Uh, today, but there's a, but but I want to continue with this idea of the mind, and and because and the world the world speaks a lot about the the mind today. There's lots of discussion around the mind today, particularly discussion around um, in light of this this whole pandemic, and, and and there's a lot of talk about people's mental health or people's mental well-being, which is a really important topic, a really important topic not to be taken lightly. Unfortunately, I think. I think sometimes this world uses that word quite loosely and doesn't really quite understand the full extent of it, you know, particularly in the media, and they might use that word a little bit too loosely or a little bit too broadly. And um, But I think when we talk about mental health, we're talking about people's mental well-being. We're talking about the way people not only think but the way they feel and their experiences and how they respond to things. Um, and so this is kind of idea that not only the world is speaking a lot about now, it has been for a while, but particularly in this pandemic, but um, the scriptures speak a lot about it too. And that's a beautiful thing because the scripture speaks a lot about mental health or, or the health of the mind or, or, the health, or the well-being of the mind or the being or the soul of a person. The scripture speaks a lot about that as well. And I think because the scripture is interested in it, we ought to be interested in it as well because it's, it, it makes us, it's our makeup. We can't separate the two, you know. You can't separate the way you think with the way you feel. You can't separate sometimes the way you feel with the way you behave. It's, we're so, it's so linked up together. And the scriptures help us to understand that. And thank God that he gives us the Bible to help us understand these kinds of things. Take, for example, the scripture in Proverbs 23. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Interesting, isn't it? As a man thinks, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. And then the scripture goes on to say that really at the end of the day, he says, come and eat and drink with me, but his heart's not with you. Because at the end of the day, people say a lot of things outwardly, but it's what they're thinking in their heart. It's what they're thinking deep down that really begins to shape them. Do you understand that? It's that. It's that aspect of their thought process, what they're thinking really, not what they're saying, not what they're outwardly presenting, but what they're really thinking deep down in their heart. That's what begins to really shape that person. It's, that, it's the real person, if you like. And so the Bible says that, I think, because it tells us to do, it reminds us to be very careful with the way we think in our hearts. Do you understand that? The way we think in our hearts. You can say to someone, oh, praise the Lord. But what are you thinking in your heart? You can say to someone, oh, God is good. But what are you thinking in your heart? That's what really begins to shape you. 
And sometimes it can be very embarrassing if you were to own up to what you're thinking in your heart. But you don't need to be embarrassed. Because I reckon most people would have experienced what you experienced. Most people would have gone through what you've gone through. And so what God is interested in is what you're pondering and what you're thinking and what you're believing in your heart, not necessarily what you're presenting before, before other people. And so the Bible's correct. As a man thinks or as a woman thinks, so is he or so is her. Because this is, this is who we are as people. This is what really shapes us. Perhaps that's why the psalmist says, and I, I think I quoted this last week or the week before, perhaps that's why the psalmist said, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Let the meditation of my heart, let that be acceptable in your sight. Let my heart not deviate to the left or to the right. Let my inner thought life be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Let it not move away from what is true and, and what is right, as we'll, as we'll begin to read um, uh, today, a little bit more about it today. You know, one day I've been thinking about over the last 12 months, I'd love to do a little bit of a kind of a mini-series on the biblical the biblical view on, on mental well-being or mental health, you know, because there's a lot of, I think, um, confusion in this world today about it. And I think not only confusion in this world, I think there are a lot, there's a lot of people who live with a lot of guilt around it, Christians who live a lot, around a lot of guilt around this idea of, of mental health and perhaps their own experiences. So not only is there confusion, but there's a lot of guilt sometimes. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation in the churches today. And I'd love one day, maybe on a different night over a few weeks, you know, do a little series on this. But I'm never, I'm never sure, you know, I, 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 at the moment, I'm just not sure when perhaps is the right time or, or, or I'm not, I'm still thinking it through. But, but perhaps, you know, if there's interest amongst people listening today, if you're interested in this, if that's something you think, yeah, you know, I come to a series on something like this. What does the Bible really teach about mental well-being, mental health, and the biblical perspective on it? You know, there's a whole loads of questions around that, from our behaviour to the way we are to how we're defined, and, uh, medication, all those sorts of things. You know, people, there's a lot of guilt and confusion around these issues. Uh, if, if it's something that interests you, then um, perhaps let me know during the week. Text me, let me know, and say, yeah, this is something I would definitely come to, uh, and that might just be um, for me the reason to to look more seriously at running something like this. I think we need to consider these things, particularly in the time we are, we are living in today. But, but to, let, to, to lead into today's passage, let me just tell you, if you like, give, give you your thoughts around this. Let me give you some thoughts around this area before we move into to Philippians and look at particularly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Firstly, let me just say that there are there are uh, when we come to to mental health or mental well-being, mental well-being, brothers and sisters, is about is about function. It's about function. It's not about value. It's not about value. You're not defined by certain functions of your life. You're not defined by certain diagnoses in your life. You're not defined by certain labels in your life. That's not what defines you as a person. What defines you as a person is the fact that you are made in the image of God. What defines you as a person is the fact that you have faith in Jesus Christ. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, you're the person with that diagnosis or you're the person with that issue. God defines you by your faith in him. God defines you by the fact that when he created you, he created you wonderfully in the image of God. And that value never changes in someone's life. 
And it's a beautiful thing, I think, for us to reflect on and to meditate because there's a lot of people who out there are looking at themselves and thinking, oh, but I function like this and I, I find myself doing this. And, and all of a sudden they, they devalue who they are and, and, and this is not what the scripture teaches us. So, so this idea of that I'm less than someone because I might have a particular condition is, is not a biblical idea. Let me give you another thought, that all, all mental well-being is related to the fall. <laughs> Did you know that? All mental health, all mental well-being, all mental illness is related to the fall. It's you and me. I'm the same. Everything about my brain and my mind and my heart, everything that works relates to the fall. This is the whole idea that, 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 that the fall, when Adam and Eve fell and the, the, the nature that, that we inherited from them has impacted and influenced everything that we are as people. Why is that important? Because the focus, therefore, of the change in me is not the change that is related to the fall but related to the sin in my life. That's what I need to focus on changing, not who I am, but the sin in my life. Because who I am, I never change. How I am, may never change. But what's related to the sin in my life, that's what needs to change. Let me give you an example. You know, there are people in life who are, who are super relaxed, super, super relaxed. Have you met those people before? Almost like not a care in the world. They're the kind of people who won't care about what they eat. I don't care what I'm going to I'm going to live to 100 years old anyway. I don't care what I do. They're, they're extreme risk takers. They, they, they don't worry about insurance. Big deal about insurance, you know. They're, they're like on one right extreme end of the spectrum, yeah. And then you have people who are like on the other end of the spectrum who are just so overly cautious that they can't do anything without doing something. Like it's, it's so particularly cautious. God is not interested in this range unless the range makes you sin. Do you understand? What God is interested in, there's always going to be this range of people in life. There's always going to be this range of people. But when the range causes you to sin and the range takes you away from being like Christ, then there is a problem. Do you understand? As Christians, you'll always have this range. This is what life is. But when I find myself sinning. That's now gone beyond the call of, of Christians. So I might check things in my house more than you check things in your house. I might check things before I leave my home more than you check things before you leave your home. That doesn't make me more spiritual, less spiritual than you. But have I sinned against the Lord? Is my trust in the Lord? That's what makes the difference. And let me give you another thought to think about. So, so, so because of that, we, brothers and sisters, we don't overcome mental illness. We don't overcome mental health. We overcome sin. Let me give you something else to think about. When I read the scriptures, I see that sometimes our own experiences in life are used by God to enhance his kingdom. And sometimes what we want to quickly get rid of in our life, God's saying it must stay for a season because I need this for the kingdom of God. It's like the Apostle Paul said that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Amen. And while we're rushing to get rid of things that we don't want in our life, the Apostle Paul saying that his strength is made perfect in weakness, not in my choice to sin, but in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And God's kingdom is established more and more and more through me depending on him, though in my weakness I find I'm incapable. 
So be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because we are defined by our faith in Christ and it's not our personality necessarily that needs to change, but our, our, our sin that we bring before the Lord, that we may be like Christ in all things, that we may be uh, have the mind of Christ in, in all things. And God moves in our lives in such a way that he is able to work in all circumstances of life to bring about, at the end of the day, the image of Christ. But a lot of that begins with as a man thinks. As a man thinks, he begins to be shaped and begins to be moulded in this way. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and, uh, and, and let's look at this, look at, look at this scripture and, and, and just Again, break it down a little bit for us. Break it down and see the kinds of thoughts and areas in our life that um, we are we can be very mindful of, <laughs> very mindful of, but also when you look at God's word. So this verse 6 and verse 7, again, is the guarding of our minds. Yeah, the Bible, as we said last week, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, we talked about that. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanks. Let your requests be made known to God. Yeah, we spoke about that. You know, we can talk to a lot of people about our issues. We can talk about a, to a lot of people about our anxious thoughts and then kind of leave the last couple of minutes to God at the end of the day. Maybe we need to turn that around. I, I, don't, I think it's good to talk to people. I think it's healthy to talk to people. This is how the body of Christ works. But when it's so lopsided and all we're doing is talking to people about it and then a very little bit to God, maybe, maybe we need to consider bringing our request to God more and maybe we need to consider less to everyone else. Not that we shouldn't, not that we shouldn't, but let's bring our requests to God. And it's interesting because the Bible says prayer and supplication. Now, why does Paul, why does Paul use both words? And I don't think Paul is necessarily trying to make a huge distinction between the two, but there is a slight distinction. It's like if I say to you, um, come on, brothers and sisters, you need to trust and believe in God. Well, you know, I've essentially told you a similar thing, haven't I? I've told you the same, kind of same thing, but with a slight little twist to them. Or if you look at someone running, you say, oh, look at that guy running. Boy, he's sprinting, isn't he? Well, I'm sort of telling you the same thing, but slightly different at the same time. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I want you to pray through prayer and supplication, because supplication is a form of prayer. But kind of this little twist to supplication is this earnest request to God. It's this heartfelt plea to God uh, as distinct as a general prayer. And we know that feeling, don't we? Sometimes we pray to God and we're just praying. We're asking God the things that are on our heart to pray for and, we, and the things that come to the mind we pray for. And then there are times we come to God and pray and there is this heartfelt need, isn't there? You know what I'm talking about. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I want you through prayer and through supplication, I want you to tell God about it. I want you to tell God about it. God's got the biggest ears in the world. God listens as if you're the only one talking to him at that time. Remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. And so he says, make a request known to God. The promise, he says, in terms of guarding the mind, and it says, and the peace of God, look at this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. There you go. So what God is saying here, that if you, if you do this, if you make a request known unto God with thanksgiving, then there's this peace that the Bible says goes beyond human comprehension. A peace when naturally there shouldn't be peace. A peace where naturally you cannot force yourself to experience. Do you understand that? You can't force yourself to have peace. You can force yourself to be kind to people. 
You can force yourself to do good deeds to people. You can force yourself to speak nice words to people, but you can't force yourself to have peace. You can't. So this is a peace that passes understanding. It's not a natural thing. It's beyond human reasoning. It's beyond, beyond, beyond human strength. And God says, this is what I'm going to guard your heart and mind with, this kind of peace. If you come to me, make it known to me, thank me, pray to me, ask me, let it go and let it go to me. Let, let me have it. Cast it upon me and allow me through your praying and and your supplication and your trusting allow me to guard you with this peace. And this is the promise of God that though is beyond understanding is a promise for the believer, for the child of God. How beautiful is that? This is his power. And when he does this with his power, he enables us now to love him with all our might. This is God's gift to us. This is God's gift to allow us to have our minds and our hearts guarded through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when anxieties rise in your heart, then take them to Jesus. Bring your prayer, bring your deep-seated heart need before him and allow him not necessarily to change circumstances, not necessarily to change personalities, but allow him to guard your mind with peace, a peace that passes understanding. This is God guarding us. And then the Apostle Paul moves into something really interesting and he says, finally, well, you know, that's an interesting word in itself, why he chooses to use the word finally here. But he goes on and he then speaks about a way, I think, to strengthen our minds as Christians. This is not a motivational speak. This is not some talk on, you know, uh, how to make our minds better. This is God's word to us that as Christians, God has gifted us with this mind and God has promised us that he will guard it with peace and God has told us to set our minds in things above and God has reminded us to love him with all our minds. This is God's gift to us that we may bring it before him as worshippers and not excuse ourselves with uh, Thoughts that lend themselves to sin because it, that, is not, that is not a scriptural thing. You know, my mind just had, went there. That's not, that's not the way of Christ. You know, my mind couldn't stop. It just went down the path of sin. No, that's not how the Christians think. But rather, now God gives us ways to strengthen, strengthen, and particularly in the time we live in today, what a beautiful one. He gives us eight words. My, my attempt is to try and finish those eight words this morning, but probably won't. But he gives us eight words as a way of strengthening our minds. Interestingly, in Psalm 23, there are also eight words that I want to share with you. But, but there are eight words here that he talks about. The words are this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, yeah, that's the first one, true. Whatever things are noble, and they might be slightly different in different versions, but that whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, that's the third one. Whatever things are pure is number four. Whatever things are lovely, number five. Whatever things are of a good report, if there's virtue, the next one, and then praiseworthy, whatever things are praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We'll come back to meditate on these things, but just to sort of kick it off, let me remind us, but the, the reason why Paul gives us these things because his conclusion is I want you to think in these things. 
I want you to meditate on these things. I want you to actually give your attention to these things because naturally your attention is going to go somewhere else. When things happen in your life, guess what your default's going to be? It's going to be opposite to these things. It's going to find ways to, to go through the cracks of life and, 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 and seep, uh, seep out into the areas it shouldn't be. It's like a watertight, like a watertight bag, and it's got this, this little tiny hole in it. And all of a sudden, where does the water go? It goes to that hole. And that's what the, the Apostle Paul is saying here, that he wants you to meditate on these things. It's like he's saying, I want you to train your mind in this way, because otherwise your mind is going to go somewhere else. And guess why, brothers and sisters? Guess why? One of the reasons is because of our nature. And guess who will very comfortably who will very casually, not casually, very intentionally uh, uh, aim his fiery arrows at you. You guessed it, yeah? The devil. He's not a, a, a made-up creature, some mythology. He's Satan, the devil. The Bible talks about him. And what he's going to do, if you don't choose to think on these things, guess what he is going to throw at your thinking? He's going to throw everything that opposes these things at us. Did you know that? So if you don't guard, <laughs> he's going to come in. He's not going to come into your mind, but he's going to shoot arrows. He's going to bring thoughts. He's going to allow circumstances to allow you to go in the opposite direction, to seep out into areas that are dangerous and unknown, but rather to come and say, that's why the, the, I think the Apostle Paul ends by saying, train your mind in this way, meditate on these things, and don't allow the, your default, if you like, or the devil to take control. So he talks about things that are true, yeah, the first thing. He says, I want you to think about things that are true, true facts. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's funny because we live in a world today where um, what is truth? Yeah, we live in a world today, you think to yourself, my goodness, what is truth these days? What is the world teaching us about truth? You know, one of my little, um, I don't know, I don't know if pet hates is the correct word or not, but you know one of the little things that could that. I look and I think, oh, why are they doing this for? You know when they, people advertise things and they advertise things and they use a word but they spell it deliberately incorrectly? I think, oh, my goodness, you know, yeah, teach a whole other generation how to spell wrong, you know, because they're spelling it incorrectly. But these, it's almost like what's truth? You use it however you want to use it now. How you have a, you just, just use, you know, let's just change what is true and factual and just make it your own. Make it your own truth. Make it your own facts. But the Bible says, he wants you to think on things that are true. Listen, the devil will gladly uh, um, give you, teach you, uh, um, train you in things that are lies. Did you know that? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The things we read, the things we watch, the things that are posted, uh, all the social media platforms, as, as much as they are good, they are filled with things that will teach us th uh, basically lies, things that are not true facts. And when they get into the soul, into the mind, into the soul of someone, then these are the things that are going to rob you of the peace of God. Do you understand? Think about all the lies that are out there about your purpose in life. Yeah. The purpose in life is all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I can get. 
It's all about what's going to please me rather than simple things like the glory of God, the kingdom of God. You know, things that get um, sent to you constantly, things that are untrue. Think about um, uh, things that are lies about your relationships, lies about relationships. You know, you watch movies, you see things and someone, he's leaving his partner and his wife and her husband for someone else because, because now they're more interesting. And all of a sudden there's these lies that constantly come out to us and are being sent to us rather than working hard to sustain the, the, the God-ordained marriage, rather than be, be true to the vow for better and worse. All of a sudden it's the next best thing is the right thing. All these lies that keep getting shot out to us about our looks and the way we should look. Rather than, our, rather than our intrinsic value in Christ and our love, his love for our soul, not for our, 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 our looks, our body. All these things that keep getting shot out to us that will influence and all of a sudden capture our thinking that it robs us of peace. What about our significance in life? Our, our, our where we, you know, who, what makes us important in life, and all of a sudden these lies that get shot out to us, and, and the enemy's trying to convince us that our significance in life is anything other than our faith in Christ, but rather our ability to re climb the ladder, or our ability to make certain amounts of money, or our ability to visit a certain amount of countries in the world, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, the Bible's telling us think on things that are true because your peace will be robbed. You know, it's like it's like what we're doing as Christians. It's like we're having to always defend and put up the shield of faith in these things that come to us as lies. Is anyone ever watched people who train in their tennis? And, you know, that machine that, that pops out tennis balls and the tennis player has to hit them back and practice practice hitting them back. It's like that's what we're doing in life, you know. We're, we're having to, you know, there's a lie that gets sent to us and we're having to deflect it and to, and, and to hit it back because it's not of it's not the things of God. But what sometimes Christians do, Christians expose themselves unnecessarily to so many um, forums of lies that it's like this machine has malfunctioned. All of a sudden it's like pop, 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 and oh, you can't keep up. So rather, maybe think about how many platforms and forums you, and movies and, and music, maybe just think about the damage that all these things are just doing because there's just so much of it. I'm not saying to you stop watching and stop posting. I'm not telling, but when you expose yourself so much to these things, it's like you just can't, your mind cannot keep up and all of a sudden it seeps into your mind and seeps into your heart and you are robbed of your peace. Perhaps, perhaps that's why. And God tells us to think on these things. That's why universities are such a, I get a bit nervous with universities, and I think universities are a great place. Don't get me wrong. I think they're a wonderful forum to be learning and growing and developing your skills to become great citizens in our world. But in universities, there, are, uh, there, is, there is also the temptation, particularly for young minds, to be so influenced by things that are anti-God. And as young people, and particularly young Christians, and I've known that experience as a young man going to university, as a, as a young person going to university, even as an older man going to university, I know that in both those experiences there were many things taught that were not, weren't, weren't truth. And I needed to be very discerning. 
I needed to be careful that what I let in and what I kept out. I took in what was necessary for my, for my course and I left out what was damaging for my soul. And we have to be very mindful of these things. We need to be careful. The Bible says, guard your mind. Now it's telling us, strengthen your mind. And it's saying, strengthen your mind by thinking about things that are true. Hallelujah. Things that are true. Things, facts, true facts that come from the Lord himself. Because there is one truth. And it's all found in Jesus. And that truth never changes. That truth never changes. Truth cannot change its application changes and 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 the way the way we work with it in different environments and generations but truth never changes brothers and sisters if you find yourself constantly thinking about things that are untrue and that things that are are not helpful to the soul um, you, you you have to you have to for the sake of guarding and strengthening your mind particularly in this time Come back, as the Bible says, and meditate on things that are true. Amen. What else does he say? He says, think on things that are noble. What's noble? Again, remember, the devil's going to change this here. The devil's going to throw things that aren't in there. He says, I want you to think on things that are noble. Think about it. When the Bible talks about things that are noble, it's talking about things that are essentially honourable. You know, you know the things that you look at and you think, oh, that's amazing. You're in awe of. It's a noble thing. You know, you hear about um, a missionary that has managed to reach out into communities around the world that are really tough. You think that's an honourable work. Or you hear about a, a, a welfare worker in, in the streets of Melbourne who's able to connect with young people who, who that, that are really hard to connect with and living on the fringes and you think, that's an honourable thing. That's a noble work. That's, that's something of honour, something to be in awe of. The Bible says think on these things. Or you hear, you know, when you hear messages being preached or, you know, our, the, the study you know, on Thursday nights, the Bible studies on Thursday nights, you look at these things and you think, oh, that's, that's an honourable word. Because what happens, what happens is what the devil's going to do, he's going to start to play in these areas that are usually honourable and make and cause and, and, and allow things for you to become judgmental of. Rather than being awe of, you're picking at the things that, uh, that, you, that you want to so somehow um, lighten what's happened, even judge what's happened. Rather than seeing the honourable work the missionary's doing, you're thinking about, oh, but look, he did it this way. Or, or rather than the honourable word that's preached on Thursday night, you're thinking, oh, but he didn't say this. Or, or rather than looking at the work that's being done in the city with young people, you're thinking, oh, but, but, but they're not preaching the gospel to them. Or whatever it is. Like you're looking at things and all of a sudden your mind goes to these areas of, of, of where it brings you down. When the Bible says think on things honourable, think on things that are good and honourable. Because when you, when you develop, listen, There is a place for judgment. The Bible says that. We have to judge. There is a place for good judgment, true judgment. Mind you, if I just a little side note, whatever judgment we use, be ready because we're going to be given the same measure back to us. Yeah. So if you're prepared to judge, be ready because it's going to, the same measure is going to be used on you. But that aside, there is a place for judgment. But listen, there are many honorable things to think about. 
just take them as honourable. Think on things. Develop an honourable spirit, if you like, a place to give honour where honour is due. Make sense? Rather than always finding reasons to be critical and to be, and to be judgmental. May God teach us, if you like, this spirit. May he train us and may we be people who think in this way. May the peace of God continue to guard us when we think on things that are true and we think on things that are noble. Let's look at the next one. He says, I want you to think on things that are also just. Oh, that's an interesting one, this one. That's an interesting one and probably will be our last one today. That's an interesting one. Think on things that are just. Does that mean God's saying to us, now, all the injustice of the world, don't think about it? Well, of course not. Everything that's unjust in this life, I don't want you to give you time. No, of course not. Because we don't say to ourselves, oh, this is happening, oh, that's not really good, and kind of out of sight, out of mind, and out of mind, out of action. Not at all. The Christians should step up in areas that are unjust in this world. The Christians should have a voice into areas of injustice in this world. Absolutely. But what I believe God is saying here is don't continue to think about these. Sorry, let's go back a step. The things that are just are God's standard of things. God's standard of things. Think about these things. Think about how God wants things. Think about areas where God speaks into and you think, ah, okay, it's happening like this, but this is how God wants it. Don't accept it as normal. In other words, don't say, oh, you know, it's young people today. How we're not going to be able to change them. Yeah, there's an element of truth in that, but you don't accept things as normal and therefore give them permission to do things that they shouldn't be doing. You see, we've got to think on things that are still just, still things of God's standard, still the way God sees them. And so what I hope happens when we start to think about this, we start, we stop pondering and meditating and, and reflecting on things that are always unjust in our lives. Because you imagine that? Can you imagine a people who become so caught up in all the injustices of life that's happening to them? And while we need to consider the genuine injustices of life, you imagine someone who gets caught up in always the, it's not fair. Why is it me? Why is it happening to me? Imagine getting caught up like that. Imagine, imagine thinking about life always on how unjust life is for you rather than thinking about things that are just, thinking about things of God's standard. Think about things as God sees them. Bring it back into his perspective. Bring it back to his word. Allow your heart to remain steadfast that when it wants to seep into constant blaming and, 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 um, and, and using phrases like it's not fair or it's unjust, bring it back to areas that are just. What is just in this situation? What is God's standard in this situation? And, and I'm not saying it's easy to do. We've got to train our minds in this way. This is God gifting us his word and to enable us and to encourage us in these things that we, our hearts and minds might be guarded. And, and this is where, like in everything in life, when, when we seek the things of God, we seek with all our hearts and the journey is often tough. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who tells us these 
beautiful truths. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are noble. Think on things that are just. Brothers and sisters, there's enough to think about. There's enough to meditate on. If this week you go and you say to yourself, Lord, I want to make a commitment to think on things that are true, not all the lies that are out there that keep being sent my way, that lies that, that somehow manage to creep through my mind and my, into my heart. Make my mind a place where I can filter truth. Make my mind a place that is less critical and considers the more honourable things. Let me consider, before I'm quick to judge leaders or whatever it might be, in whatever forum that is, let me consider what is honourable. Let me consider what is just. Let me consider your standards and things. Let that be the very thing that guides my heart and mind. And there is overlap. I know that. And may the peace of God, when you do this, brothers and sisters, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May you be blessed this week, brothers and sisters. May his word and his word alone be your rock. May you use this word and this passage to meditate on and may you be blessed by it. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. Father, I pray that you take uh, all that has been said and shared and take all that has been we've heard through song and through word this morning and that you would bless your people, strengthen them, encourage them, and help them to set their minds and things above. You are a good God who loves us and you're a God who's drawing us more and more to yourself. And I just pray that you continue to guide us and lead us in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.